2: Hello and welcome to episode number 431 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. With me is Amanda and we are back with more questions from our Patreon community. We have questions about books, about romance covers, about food. Of course, we're talking about food and we have some strong opinions. I especially have strong opinions and this there is much silliness. Thank you again to the Patreon community for providing the very silly, much needed, wonderful questions for this episode. I hope you have been enjoying these episodes as much as we have. And I want to send a special hello to Nicole and to her cats, Chloe and Molly. Hey, y'all. How you doing? This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I am pretty thrilled to add HelloFresh to our weekly menu because the recipes are incredibly easy, everything is pre-portioned, and it adds something new to the meal schedule, which as you probably know, can get a little redundant because we're all inside cooking at home all the time. HelloFresh offers low-calorie, vegetarian, and kid-friendly recipes, and 90% of their ingredients are sourced directly from growers, so everything is fresh and high quality. This week, we tried firecracker meatballs with roasted string beans and jasmine rice, and it was ridiculous how good it was. I really like that we put our 13-year-old in charge again, because the instructions are so easy to follow and so clear, it helps him because he wants to learn to cook, and HelloFresh made the opportunity perfect for him and for us. We get to try new recipes that are easy to follow and delicious. He got to be in charge of cooking, and it was a perfect quarantine's evening activity. Go to HelloFresh.com slash TrashyBooks80 and use code TrashyBooks80 to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. That's TrashyBooks80 or HelloFresh.com slash TrashyBooks80 Get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Hello again and thank you to our Patreon community. Thank you for making this episode so much fun. You are all creative and hilarious and thoughtful and silly, and we appreciate your questions so much. If you would like to be part of the Patreon community and perchance build another silly episode like this one, have a look at patreon.com slash smartpitches. Monthly pledges start at $1. Each pledge helps ensure that every episode receives a transcript and keeps the show going every week. Thank you to the Patreon community for making this and every episode so great. Wilbur agrees. This episode is also brought to you by Ritual, which is not your typical multivitamin. It is vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. It's also now available for women, men, and teens. Ritual vitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages, including their best-selling prenatal vitamins. Ritual is made traceable. You'll always know where the nutrients inside come from, thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind, visible supply chain. I like that they pay attention to specific details, like making sure the product is vegan friendly. They use vegan algal oil instead of fish oil, which is made using fermented microalgae and leaves minimal environmental contamination. Even the the capsules are transparent, so I can see inside them. Ritual multivitamins are also delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. I love that I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. And if you don't love Ritual within the first month, they'll refund your first order. Daily changes can lead to big results, so start small today. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Try it out. Satisfaction guaranteed. Go to ritual.com forward slash Sarah to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash Sarah. At the end of this episode, I will have a terrible joke. And in the show notes, I'll have links to everything we talk about. But now, let's get started with part two of our silly q and a
3: featuring me and Amanda. Nice hair it's it's called pineappling. Wait, it has a name? yeah, its so when you have curly hair,
2: oh, well, already you, you're speaking a language I don't I speak. Know. yeah, when I'm, you have oh. curly
3: hair for like the curly girl method or whatever, uh. To s- they don't want you to sleep on your curls. So, one of so the So, do things-
2: you hang upside down like a bat?
3: I do. Awesome. <laughs> Just what I wanted so, to know. So, like, some of the suggestions are like sleep on a satin pillowcase and get a, a silk scarf and wrap it around your head. And I be would like,
2: be I'm very hot if I'm I had to do that. If I wrapped my hair, I would be very warm.
3: So, one of the suggestions is called pineappling where you essentially gather all of your hair on top of your head like the leaves of a pineapple so the part you're laying on is the back part and not like all of the curls oh i'm a pineapple looks
2: very very comfortable
3: <laughs> which means like this is my sleep hair and i haven't done anything with it since i woke up
2: i, I uh, mean approximately
3: why, like seven hours ago why should you And I also, before the stream, pre-ordered the ultimate Assassin's Creed edition. (gasps) Because I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to treat myself. You should. get the ultimate pack. And so it's pre-ordered. And there is a countdown on my TV currently that's like, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is launching in like 10 hours and 50 minutes Uh, or whatever. Where
2: did you order it? Did you order it through Steam?
3: No, I got it. uh, See, I prefer playing those games on my PlayStation. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I have a PS4. So it's ready to go when the clock strikes midnight. That is awesome. I'm so excited. This is going to be like
2: your whole Thanksgiving week, right?
3: Yeah, this is all I'm going to do all I'm going to do. And that's okay. I think that's brilliant. So
2: are you ready? ready Are you ready for round two of questions? Yes. Did you take a look? I sent these earlier because these are are a little bit more thoughtful.
3: Let me go back to the document.
2: But I do feel like some of these are going to um, create responses that for me will be for, for my, my responses would be heavily opinionated. Yeah. I have I mean, some I was, strong opinions about some of
3: these. There are some that I'm like, Ooh, I don't know how I'm going to answer that one. Um, but there are some that's like easy peas. Got yep.
2: it. So our first question, and again, I have work going on outside my window. So yeah, the landscapers are guest starring in this episode.
3: Hi, landscapers. Yeah.
2: My, my backyard looks like something
3: good.
2: <laughs> Varian R. What is your favorite and least favorite type of romance book cover? And I have asked some of the people who ask these questions in the thread on Patreon to answer. Of course, I'm a bad podcaster. And (laughs) I left my phone
3: on. Bad podcast. Total professional. Podcasting professional here.
2: I know. Totally forgot to turn off my phone. All right. Varian answered, My least fave is starting to become these historical romance covers where you can tell they do not want to be there. And I know exactly what it's kind like of cover the, they're talking about.
3: Like the position where, like, the lady is like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> oh. Like,
2: no. And they look very serious. And I guess they're kind of going for adversarial, but mostly they just look really un- unhappy to be there. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what kind of cover they're talking about.
3: Um, I really don't have strong opinions on on covers. I mean, I do. we do see a lot of goofy ones for cover snark. Um, Dr. Nips. And, like, i do the books on sale so i look at a lot of weird covers that like are part of you know books on sale newsletters that i subscribe to Mm -hmm. um but i don't think a cover has ever deterred me from picking up a book a cover has made me pick up a book but i've never looked at a cover and be like "Ooh, i don't know about that Um, yeah
2: i've never had a cover make me go i'm not reading this i'm so mad because yeah, I, al- um, I also know enough about how the sausage is made, no pun intended, yeah. that the cover is decided on by people who often have very little to do with the intricate development of the book inside of it. The, the cover is marketing. It has a different job than the book itself.
3: I know a lot of people have opinions on illustrated covers because uh, often it conveys like a lightness that might not be found in the cover or in the book. Yes. But... Um, as someone who works in a bookstore, I can tell you that the traditional clinch covers do not sell with people looking to pick up romances. People will buy romances that have cutesy illustrated covers, not photography covers with a hero and heroine embracing on them. Like, those do not sell, at least in the independent bookstore I work at.
2: Um, do you know why so, that is? Is it because that image of romances is, is outdated with that buying yeah. audience? That yeah. makes sense. I mean, it, I get it.
3: I have tried to hand sell a Tessa Dare. <sighs> With a and catch someone, cover. Yeah, and someone's like, oh, I can't read this in public. They literally said that to my face. And I'm like, why not? Wow. And they're like, well, just look. I was like, nobody cares. That's a great book. She didn't buy it. She bought some other romances like uh, Evie Dunmore, Kate Claylorne, The Illustrated.
2: Yeah, the illustrated covered. cover overcomes a hurdle for the buyer yeah. who sees the the, the the clinch image of people
3: yeah. as outdated. And I know there are purists out there who are like anti-illustrated cover. Mm-hmm. But I'm of the I know this is not the question that was asked, but uh <laughs> I'm of the opinion that if it gets more people interested in romance and it gets like the foot into the the foot in the door, then they might consider picking up a romance that has a clinch cover.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, it's it's less scary for whatever reason. But for me, YA kills it when it comes to good covers.
2: Oh, their art, their art direction and their artists are so talented.
3: I love a shiny element on a cover. Oh, it's like a shine, that.
2: like a foil or something? <laughs> yeah,
3: you yeah. don't see that in romance, but I love a shiny element. Um, but romance covers... You know, I look at bad ones all the time. <laughs> we see a lot of those. People and email them to us by the bushel. <laughs> yeah. Sweet Carol. Oh, Carol. We love you, Carol. Has a whole desktop folder of them. And she will send us, like, just a big old bushel of them at oh, one time. Oh, lovely. Um, a bushel of peckers. And, like, I also know that, like, the cover sometimes isn't really indicative of what you're going to get either. No is we have people who look at cover snark and go find the books on amazon and i'm oh. like this actually sounds really good cover, and they'll snark, buy it, it.
2: Well, cover snark moves books
3: yeah everything those books every every this is
2: a thing I wish I could just sit down and explain to authors one you and your book are not the same thing and I know you're intimately connected with the book but you and your book are not the same and so if we give a a low grade a negative grade a negative comment to a book a it's not about you it really isn't these are very separate things for us number two an f review will sell books a d review will sell books an a review will sell books They will sell books because I promise there is someone who's like, oh, I love all of those things one click buy. It is the same in reverse as when you see somebody go, oh, this book had way too much sex in it. And like half of romance goes, I'm sorry, what was the title again? Could you
3: spell that for me? So, I will say one of my least favorite things on a cover is uh, inappropriate clothing for the setting that they are in.
2: Oh, so like a historical and she's wearing like an 80s prom
3: gown? Or, like, stop being shirtless in the snow. <laughs> or a fighting a fire. It's like, you're going to get. You're going to die. fight <laughs> on your nips or something. Like, get, put a shirt on. Put Which a is shirt why on. I think it was featured in Cover Snook. There was a. Contemporary Romance by Amy Andrews that was recently on sale. And the guy has, like, a flannel and a jacket and a comfy blanket. And I'm like, this is what I'm here for. (laughs) This guy is
2: seasonally appropriate and brought me a blanket.
3: Shirtless in the snow. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, no one's wearing gloves or a hat or a (laughs) scarf. Nothing. So, and I just have to think, like... I don't know, like New England winters can get bad, but like Midwest winters.
2: Oh, yeah. Those are both places where if you're dumb, the the, the weather will kill you.
3: I know Elise says she's got a car blanket mm-hmm. for when it gets yeah. super cold. Oh, yeah. So that's one thing that really like grinds my gears is like put a jacket on.
2: I do not have specific things that I can point out as favorites, like you. It's sort of like, oh that that looks interesting. Oh, that's yeah. fine, but I see the cover as such a separate element from the book inside. like I know what the cover is trying to do, and I know it's different from what the book is trying to do, but I will say, I really hate shirtless Manchester. I hate Ripley Ab, Naked Man covers. I really don't like them. they do nothing for me. I, um, and I and I hate them for a number of reasons. One, strong opinion time. <laughs> I think that it fetishizes male anatomy in a way that is a disservice to humans in general. I look I, at that and I think, okay, I know what you have to do to maintain that physique and that does not leave enough time for you to do anything except work out, eat eggs, and not have a romance. Like th- <laughs> the amount of time you have to spend building that physique is substantial, um, I don't like the accusation that romance gives people unrealistic emotional expectations, but I do think that the preponderance of extremely hypertrophied musculature and extremely thin women on the covers is unrealistic expectations. And it perv- and it and it perpetuates this idea that there's only a very certain visual standard that gets happiness. And I do not like the shirtless covers. So there is my strong opinion. On your soapbox. I will climb off my soapbox and shut the hell up now because it's just me. I mean, I know people who love a good shirtless cover and I'm just like, uh, But also like a shirtless
3: cover won't necessarily keep you from reading the book either. Just like that's what we're doing. No, I like, oh,
2: look, there's another guy with his shirt open, but it's still tucked in because that's how we roll here. And then I just go to page one. And if I'm reading digitally, which most of the time I am. Yeah. The you don't gali- even see the cover. I don't even see the cover. Sometimes the galley doesn't have a cover. Sometimes yeah. the cover is a tool for me to badly remember what the book is, and that's its job.
3: I also, I will say, I love, and shirtless man covers don't bother me. But if said shirtless man has chest hair, oh. I do a double take. Oh. Because like that's not Good something point. We, we usually see, because usually they're smooth like a baby dolphin. <laughs> It's just you know, slip slide right off of it.
2: Yeah, um, they do often are, have a have a sheen to them. Yeah, and yeah.
3: They're like, is it oil? Is it sweat? What is this slickness here? Um, but yeah, I, I take more notice because it's not the norm. Yeah, I would love it if it like matched the inside where there is literally the hero is just a guy who never wears a shirt, never. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. Like what you see is what you
3: get. No shirt at any time. I'm allergic to clothing. He lost his shirts in a horrible fire (laughs) and he's on a quest for new shirts.
2: That's why he's in the snow. He lost his shirt.
3: He's lost all of his shirts. (laughs) That's his tragic backstory is like his his bespoke shirts.
2: He lost his shirt. His shirt allergy. It's like when I change Geralt's clothes in Witcher, I take off his shirt. It's like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> Damn. Just run around and fight demons like that. Why don't you? All right. Ashton T would like to know, what rom-com would you most want your life to be like? or what And what non-rom-com movie, action, horror, etc. would you like to see redone with romantic elements? Ashton's suggestions are she's the man for the rom-com because you've got to love the 2000s. So
3: it, that's a very good movie. I enjoy it. That,
2: that's a good one. And any sci-fi movie where there, there could be more romance, especially Serenity or Firefly, and would also like to point out that there are no noses <laughs> on their smileys.
3: <laughs> um, so my favorite rom-com of all time, though I would not want my life to be like this, uh, is She's All That with Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr.? I love that movie. That movie. I can quote that. The movie's so good. R.I.P. Paul Walker, who's in there. Um, None of them look like high schoolers no,
2: at all. No.
3: What kind of high school is this? There's a weird dance number in the middle of prom with, with Usher DJing.
2: <laughs> like they all, is, all, all of the school learned this dance and then performs it for. It's so weird.
3: And it has the classic. Takes her glasses off, walks down the stairs in a tight red dress. and Though she does fall because she doesn't have her glasses on.
2: Mm-hmm. so Yeah. Um,
3: that is my favorite rom-com. But if I could pick what I would want mine to be like. I thought about this and I'm like, let's go full bonkers. Oh, I love when you go full bonkers. <laughs> go you are making bonkers. good choices. And pick Enchanted with Amy Adams and Patrick Dinkley. <laughs>
2: Oh, what a good just choice.
3: Some man from a storybook just bursts into my life. He can see and commune with like little cartoon birds. Uh, every day for him is a musical. Um, that's what I would pick.
2: I once made a list of my favorite rom-coms. And then I realized that I have a late 80s collection collection. Mid 90s collection and then a 2000s collection.
3: Well, there's they're like they're little
2: clusters, right? Yes, they are. So, I love the movie Roxanne with okay. Daryl Hannah and Steve Martin, and it's okay. a Cyrano de Bergerac retelling. Um, Shelley Duvall is in it, it okay. is so cute and adorable. And the thing I like the most about it is that. Daryl Hannah has moved to this small town in the northwest um, because she's an astrologer. Astronomer? Astrologer? No. Astronomer. Gosh, Sarah. Astronomer. Astronomer
3: stars. Astrology is the, the Horoscopes.
2: I always cross those in my brain. Thank you. Okay. She is astronomer and she has potentially discovered a comet, but she has to find it and document it and can't tell anyone. So she's a little secretive. And she has this big-ass telescope that she has to carry up to the widow's <laughs> walk. And so, of course, Steve Martin's character helps him. But you might have seen the pictures. It's the one where Steve Martin has the really
3: big nose. Yeah, it's the Cyrano de Bergerac. Exactly.
2: Retail. And he is very funny in that whole thing about his nose. Like, he gets really pissed off but then learns to accept himself because she likes him. It's so charming. I love that one. I would be okay with that one. What movie would you want to be redone with romantic elements.
3: I don't know if there's one I'd want to be. So the old guard, I loved, I loved, um, there's not though in explicitly stated romance, like the main character, I can't remember her name. Uh, it's like, I think it starts with an A Andy, Andy. I think that's what it was. Um, Charlize Theron. It is alluded that she's had like relationships with other people. Um, but I would have, she kicks such ass. I would have liked to see some smooching in that movie while she's kicking ass. So I think that's,
2: that's a good choice.
3: Yeah. That's what I would pick. I think
2: I can find the romantic elements in anything. Like there are shows that I only watch because I I know that there's going to be like smooching.
3: I would rather, but like, I like overtly romantic elements. Like, do not be vague with me. (laughs) Just like, beat me over the head with it. Like, that's what I can't, I don't
2: watch that much action or horror. So I don't really have an answer. Because there, there isn't much that I, that I watch that I know where, where I, I, there isn't much that I watch where there's no element at all. Like, even, um,
3: in terms of horror i watched the movie ready or not which was so good um and my like romantic brain envisioned like a different ending i don't want to spoil it for anyone um
2: i don't think i can answer this one
3: there could have been like a really sweet romantic ending Mm. i think to the movie but the way it ended was lovely too like I don't have any complaints about the movie it was a lot of fun but there is like this really tender scene <laughs> Um I'm like oh that would have been sweet um, so that's another one Ooh. but like I said both both the old garden ready or not were good I don't feel like it was missing anything but no
2: but you know more, more smooching improves things
3: more smooching all the time
2: I, I get it I mean, good thing yeah. we work in romance. <laughs> Jacqueline S. wants to know, what romance trope do you think is underrated and why? Jacqueline's okay. answer for this question was, There's Only One Bed is my forever and always favorite, but obviously it's popular for a reason. Underrated trope, letter writing, and or epistolary romance. Can. Confirm. Hard. Same. Sarah loves those. That is my favorite because it feeds into what is my overall favorite trope, which is when two characters become their honest real flawed selves with each other and the reason that they do that is somehow put on a fast track like we're fake dating and we have to pretend to know each other or there's um writing letters and no one's going to see them but you are writing texts and no one's going to see them but the other person like that is my absolute favorite i love it and i i completely agree letter writing epistolary romance notes on post-it notes text messages what's i don't care WhatsApp, whatever that's that's my thing what about you
3: so I feel like There's Only One Bed, that trope became, like, my fan fiction staple. Like, <laughs> I would, I feel like I would only read fanfic that had There's Only One Bed trope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the ones that I enjoy aren't underrated. I love enemies to lovers, uh, mm-hmm. but a lot of people like that. I don't think it's, like, niche. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I have, like, an underrated one. There are pretty common ones that I enjoy. There are ones that I think are overrated. Really? Uh, well, like, I've talked – I think second chance romances and friends to lovers are boring. Yes. They are, like, There's not
2: enough me. stakes for you, whereas those are some of my favorites because it's who was I then and who am I now. But, see, I, I think you, like – more if you like more um sexual chemistry and some external conflict
3: yes I prefer external
2: well I and, like internal conflict which makes sense
3: what yeah in the space is horny podcast episode we did it was like I want a romance where it's like if we bang the world is going to implode like that's <laughs> that's the level of stakes <laughs> I want like you know, if we kiss, some weird prophecy will be fulfilled and, you know, a black hole is going to open up and just rip apart the universe. We
2: really it's... cannot be together. It would be very bad. But I still have feelings in my pants.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I get it. So I don't. And I also I do love a pairing of like sunshiny one and grumpy one. But I also feel like that's popular. I don't think I have like an underrated one. mm.
2: All right. Jacqueline has has two more questions. Okay. In the middle, we have a food question.
3: Okay. We'll have a
2: food question. What strong opinions do you have about popular foods like pizza or baked potatoes, pineapple or no, barbecue sauce, no cheese, vegetables allowed? What are your strong opinions about popular foods?
3: I will eat any and all pizza. Uh, I am a human garbage can when it comes to
2: pizza.
3: (laughs) If there are toppings that I don't want, they're easily pick-offable. So... A black olive is not going to get in the way of me getting my cheesy, carby, <laughs> delicious goodness.
2: For some reason, pepperoni makes me ill, and even well, if it's cooked on the pizza and then removed, that will make me so sick. So I have pepperoni to av- is my favorite. I have to avoid pepperoni. Meanwhile, we have like a five pound bag of pepperoni in our fridge because we put it on pizzas for me. Max and, oh, and the, the other kids. Me. Yeah, we put it on the pizza for the kids.
3: They're like little tiny, like. Grease cups. These
2: are the ones that actually cup. Like they when you cook them, they curve up like little taylor the pork. Crispy balls.
3: edges and the oh, little yeah. like well of grease. Love it. And then baked potatoes. Do people have strong opinions about baked potatoes? I don't know. I'm an everything but the kitchen sink baked potato person. Like chives, sour cream, oh, cheese, yeah. bacon, just I have How can you put all that shit on there.
2: I have come to terms with the fact that cruciferous vegetables and I do not get along. I don't know
3: along. what the hell that means. So
2: cruciferous <laughs> like a broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. Okay. okay. Now, I one of my one of my favorite news sayings that I saw on the internet that I want to make into a cross stitch for myself is if cauliflower can become pizza, you can become anything. Like that is a very hopeful statement and I can handle a cauliflower pizza crust, but broccoli It it just tastes bitter and weird and it makes me ill. And Brussels sprouts made me think I was going to die. Like I could just watch.
3: Favorite soup, broccoli cheese soup. No, I cannot. So (laughs) speaking of cauliflower crust, one of uh, Stephanie's coworkers came over to trim Stephanie's hair. And Stephanie's like, oh, I'll get some like snacky things and I'll like feed you. And so Stephanie got like a cauliflower crust pizza. So, like, put in the oven. She goes to put it in the oven and discovers she just bought a cauliflower crust. <laughs> she just bought the crust. It was not a pizza. It oh, was just no. a crust. She's like, "Well, I don't know what to do with this."
2: Did you walk so, in and be like, "Let me introduce you to cheese"?
3: <laughs> I wound up using it and putting a bunch of like cheese. On yeah, I was gonna say just put cheese all over it. Yeah.
2: Um, when we make homemade we, pizza, I, I usually make a pe- cauliflower crust because too much carbs plus Sarah is bad times.
3: I love. I made this thing one time called like a cauliflower steak. Those are really good. You take up like a head of cauliflower. Oh, and, just and you chop make a big half.
2: thick cur- yeah. yeah. I've had but, roasted cauliflower. Cauliflower doesn't always taste t- bitter. It's broccoli not just, as bitter. Broccoli tastes like bitter metal to me. It's weird. I just have to accept this about myself.
3: I mean, let's all be honest. Broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts smell like farts. They so, do. Like,
2: and my God, the gas they give me! I Brussels sprouts made me think I was dying. It's like fart in, fart out. It's just <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching my abdomen swell up, and I'm in pain, and I'm like, "Oh my God, what's happening to me? I'm dying." Is it the Brussels sprouts? And then I looked. Oh yeah, yeah. Brussels sprouts will kill you.
3: But I do like pineapple on pizza, which I know is divisive. I will have a barbecue pizza. Not my favorite, but I, I will still eat I taco
2: pizza. Ever had a good taco pizza? Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, I've had like a, a Mexican pizza, but it's like that weird, like it, it was like a lunch that we would have at the cafeteria in high school. It was like the weird, like octagonal Mexican pizza. I feel uh-huh. like people know what I'm talking oh,
2: about. Oh, yeah. It's like, totally a school food lunch.
3: Yeah, but totally. like I pretty much like
2: No, a taco any pizza. Vegetables. Best taco pizza I've ever had was at a pizzeria in Morgantown, West Virginia when I worked in a summer camp there and we would go in and get the taco pizza and it was regular pizza, cheese, um some shredded cheddar, taco beef, spicy stuff. Love it. Spicy Here stuff on it? top, vegetables, yep. more cheese, tomatoes, yep. and shredded lettuce and some corn chips on top. Ooh, corn chip. Holy fuck, was it good. And, you know, there's a lot of lettuce, so you could pretend that it was marginally healthy. It was.
3: so. Oh, and hot
2: sauce all over it.
3: Mm, I would visit my dad, the one who died over the summer. We would always get pizza from this place called Antonio's in, I think, Miramar, Florida. Um, We'd always get a pepperoni and onion. And my favorite pizza to this day is pepperoni and onion. And we'd also get a spinach pizza, which I thought was so good. It's mm-hmm. like a white pizza with spinach and, like, lots of cheese. It's really good.
2: I do have a strong opinion. And okay. mostly this is also because these also make me very, very sick. No clams on pizza. No I clams. I mean, I'm a no- No muscles. Person. I am allergic to bivalves. They will make me hella sick, but no clams on pizza.
3: I don't eat- Seafood. So I that's know, so this is fine. Outfit. So we
2: can go out and not have clams on this yes. pizza. That's fine.
3: I, I don't think, like, I'm a picky eater. Like, I don't eat seafood um, because it's, like, a texture thing. Um, and, you know, there are certain, like, I don't like olives, but I'm not going to gag if I have an like, if an olive sneaks in somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty, like, flexible when it comes to pizza and potatoes. Like... It's fine. I've, yeah, you could, you know, put fucking motor oil on it and I'll give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: I have a question from Cleo M. I have two questions from Cleo M. Okay. One, if you could describe your favorite romance trope as a drink, what would it be? Dark or and Stormy. Dark yes. and Stormy? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I would be a Light and Stormy. That was easy. Yeah. Yeah. Or or I could be a a, a, a Bee's Knees which is some bathtub gin and honey syrup and lemon. Or if you could describe your favorite hero as a takeout dinner, what would they be? Nachos. Heroic nachos?
3: Yeah. Crunchy, so nachos, Crunchy. Nachos are my creamy, very favorite food. Cheesy, spicy. Yeah, I can see it. Layers. Layers. And you get like little pockets of like goodness. Yep. And like... Some, some nacho bites some sometimes you get a chip and there's nothing on it and then yep. sometimes you get a chip and it has everything on it yep so nachos that's a really good answer thank you
2: you're right
3: but you got to eat it all in one sitting cuz reheating nachos no, never
2: goes no it doesn't work they're no longer crispy it's no. just not going to work you
3: can't let them sit
2: if i could have my favorite hero as a takeout dinner what would it be I think I would have to answer pizza,
3: pizza, pizza.
2: Yeah, why? Because you can you can put what you want. Well, they're <laughs> cheesy, and you can put what you want on them. You can make them spicy. You can make them savory. You can make them briny. You can add pineapple. It's customizable. So my favorite hero would probably be pizza with prosciutto, olives, caramelized onions, feta, and do so you
3: want a you want a real doll for a hero as well? <laughs> <laughs> completely customizable
2: no I just like them salty and briny basically my favorite so salty briny man. salty briny pizza no I like I like slightly grumpy heroes yeah and I also like well I like emotionally fluent heroes and um I like them slightly on the grumpy side like I like betas who are mellow and happy but I also like heroes that are like mm. <laughs> Leave me alone. I like a little misanthrope. So but okay. that that fits Adam. Very kind, very thoughtful, very, very intelligent. Really wants everyone to leave him the fuck alone. Okay. I can relate. All right, Carolyn H. Not sure if you've been asked this already, but if you're running from a burning building, what's the one book you have to grab? E readers not included.
3: I made a joke in my head and I, I was gonna say my MacBook.
2: carolyn's answer says carolyn says in the end i would grab shell silverstein where the sidewalk ends it's within reach on my bookshelf and was a favorite when my kids were younger now i don't have that many books in my house anymore because when we moved there were so many books where i'm like i own this digitally i'm not paying someone to move it across several straight lines that's just silly so all of my books fit in this little section in my closet like there's not that many um the book that I would grab that isn't a fiction book would probably be my wedding album or one of the kids' albums where I have baby yeah. pictures, but they're, they were born in 2005 and 2007, so there were digital pictures. My wedding is 2000. I don't have as many digital images of that, so I might grab my wedding album because my dog is in it in a tux, too. I mean, that's Aww. very important. Yes, he was a seven-pound Maltese, and he wore a tux. He, would, he didn't come to the wedding. The wedding was on a boat. He, <laughs> he, he was home with a dog sitter, but... A fiction book that I would grab. Gosh, that's—I still don't have an answer. Like, It'd I mean, like, get as, up and look in the closet.
3: Well, like, as reviewers, books are not we a get commodity. A, we get a lot of books, yeah. And so, like, forming an attachment to a book is hard. All right, I have an answer.
2: Okay. I, I just stood up and looked in my closet to see what I've got in there. First of all, I have hard copies of all my own books, but I would not grab those. That's fine. I know they're out <laughs> in the world. They're good. No, I would grab my three-armed copy of uh, Castles in the Air by Christina Dodd. Ooh. Because she's got three hands. If she, I, do you have any idea how much work I could get done if I had an extra arm? Be so productive.
3: I don't know if I would get extra work done with that arm. but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, I grabbed my 3-arm copy of that one cuz it's you know, it's out of print, it's harder to find.
3: I don't know what I would get. I don't have like any rare books. Um, I do have a copy of The Phantom Tollbooth that oh. uh, I had signed by Norton by the author Norton Juster who came <gasps> to the BPL. He's like old as dirt. Um, so oh. I have a signed copy of The Phantom Tollbooth.
2: Um, that's a good choice to grab.
3: Yeah, I mean like the rest easily replaceable.
2: Um, yes, yeah, so I grab my wedding album. It's not easily replaceable.
3: Yeah, I have one book. This goes back to the question from the first episode about what piece of clothing can't you throw away, but you can't wear. Mm-hmm. So that very same boyfriend gifted me one of his favorite books, which was a very short book called we W E by Yevni Zamyatin, which is a, dystopian novel one of the first dystopian novels it was published in the 1920s Russian author he was like exiled but he gifted me this copy and he like made all these notes and there's like stuff in like marginalia and underlines and it was just like a such a personal lovely gift yeah Um, and I don't know like I still have it and it's like sentimental and no one's ever given me a similar gift before so maybe Aww. i would take that i don't know um but yeah most of my books whatever happened would, to that dude do you know where he is now so last i heard uh he was being a bit of like a nomad he doesn't he i think we talked last year he lives in a he's car. like i don't Well, he's like, I don't like to stay still. So he's like, so I pretty much I move around and I travel and like live in other countries for like a few months Mm -hmm. and whatever. That was before COVID hit. So I don't know what he's doing COVID wise. Um, But yeah, like we'll, he'll like pop back in, we'll talk and then he'll just like disappear. Um, So I have no clue what he's doing now. Um, But yeah, I feel like, my most of my books caught on fire it would probably be a blessing for me because then I get to start over again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right Elizabeth H wants to know two of my favorites one what's something small you have strong opinions about and two who fictional or real would you put on a postage stamp what is something small that I have strong opinions about? All the things that I would put on a postage stamp are already on postage stamps, like Mister Rogers, dragons. All right, Toothless the dragon—I put him on a postage stamp.
3: This is too. This might be too new for everyone. But Alex Trebek.
2: Oh, that's a good one. Although you know, Canada might fight you over that one. Come on, Canada, do us a solid. Actually, you know what? We could do a special postage between the U.S. and Canada for mail just between the U.S. and Canada, and yeah. we'd have Alex Trebek on it.
3: That'd be so cute. Yeah. I'd also like the like twee part of me. I would love. I'm sure they're out there, but like little stamps of like baked goods.
2: Yeah, I'd
3: love a little cake on a stamp, Some
2: little cupcakes. Yeah i I remember um, the stamps I got over the summer that adam got at union station were scratch and sniff ooh, and they were like popsicles and candy but you could scratch and sniff them i was delighted to use them they made me so happy
3: those are adorable yeah and then something small that i have opinions about we talked about my my
2: resistance to the words emails and boxed set which doesn't really matter in the entire universe like what's something that's gonna like Pull my red handle really fast. I, I
3: feel like I have little small things, but I they don't get triggered until like it happens.
2: Hmm. This is a tough one because like okay. there's things that piss me off. What's yours?
3: Okay, so I I think I have gotten it. Um. So Boston, there's a lot of walking, mm-hmm. uh, and so you have to share the sidewalk. One thing I hate hate is a group of people who will walk three yes. or four across
2: don't go to disneyland and get stuck between an eight wide stroller party
3: and i'm like where do you want me to go could you can like can fucking
2: you move? move yeah you oh yeah do a
3: single file for like a hot fucking second please mm-hmm. that bothers me and they're just like chatting away like i'm like oh my god I all right places to be Here's something
2: small that I have strong opinions about, but it's very personal to me. So, Buzz, the dog who is anxious and takes a dose of Prozac for a like 350 pound male, he is extremely reactive to other dogs. He is terrified of other dogs except his brother. It doesn't matter if that dog weighs two and a half pounds; he's he's terrified. Put your motherfucking dogs on motherfucking leashes unless you are in a motherfucking dog park. Put a leash on your fucking dog. I don't care if your dog is the slowest moving, most gentle, wonderful dog. I am glad that you have a great dog. My dog is convinced that he's going to kill my dog. Whatever your dog is, my dog thinks that it's going to die. And that is me with two dogs, two leashes, one panicking dog. The other dog's like, what's going on? Can I pee on it? And that's (laughs) harder for me. And I can't always put your motherfucking dog on a motherfucking leash. Please, thank you. That's the end. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. All right, Jane wants to know if you had to name an additional reindeer for Santa, what would it be? Scooter.
3: <laughs> I thought about this one, and I'm like, I want
2: a reindeer named Scooter.
3: One who is just goofy as fuck. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the meme where it's like all the like the pack of wolves, and then you have Moon Moon, They're like idiot wolf, sort
2: of just, like uh, derpy hooves in Friendship is Magic.
3: I just want like. An idiot reindeer <laughs> with, like, such a goofy name. And you're, like, Vixen and Rudolph and come and then it's like Scooter. Yeah. Scooter is bringing up the rear.
2: I want one named Fivish, which is a Yiddish name.
3: Oh. Fivish. Do it you sounds, remember? sounds like a hobbit name to me. It
2: does. Do you, do you remember – did you ever watch Picket Fences? And there was the... the no. There was... Okay, what else was he saying? There was, a, there was a Yiddish theater actor who had a television career. His name was Fivish Finkel. It's like a children's entertainer. I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I would name it five-ish One, because it's Yiddish, and so therefore there'd be a little Hanukkah representation. And two... <laughs> Five ish would be like, where are you going? Why are you doing that? What what is that? No, that's not the way. Go no, you're taking the wrong route. You're gonna get stuck in traffic.
3: Scooter is just happy to be here.
2: Yep. I bet Scooter and <laughs> Five Ish would get along.
3: <laughs> Scooter and Five Ish. Scooter. That's so, a that's a funny, sitcom way to have reindeer movie. You never yep. knew you're
2: <laughs> Carol M. wants to know, if you were a Pomeranian, would you prefer to walk around on your own or be pushed around in a doggy carriage or rolling throne? Carriage. No, hands down.
3: Carriage. I'm I jealous of kids.
2: I'm jealous of kids who deep. are asleep in their strollers. I'm like, do you know what happens when you get older, kid? You have to walk.
3: I One, one of my biggest regrets in my life is just passing on all the naps that people were forcing me to take.
2: And And fighting them.
3: Yeah. I was like, I should have taken advantage of that nap time.
2: (laughs) I wish I could nap.
3: I'm probably going to nap right after this.
2: Good plan.
3: Yeah. Scooters.
2: Scooters all the way. All right. Kate H. has two. Which do you prefer? Hocus Pocus or Nightmare Before Christmas?
3: Hocus Pocus. Uh, Emma and I, my friend Emma and I, we were talking about this on a previous Twitch Dream, and Emma loves *The Nightmare Before Christmas*. And we were talking about it, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's a good movie." But Sally is really the star of the show, and Jack's a fucking idiot yep. who ruins everything, and everyone yep. has to clean up his goddamn mess. Yep. Hocus pocus. Come on. Uh- Bette Midler, uh- Kathy Najimy. Come on. Hocus
2: pocus. Hocus pocus, but I don't have strong feelings about either one.
3: Like, people I, feel
2: about Nightmare About Christmas the way they feel about, like, Disney. They get super into it. Like, it's a whole decorating. I mean, decorating... Nightmare
3: Before Christmas is Disney, is Right. It?
2: But, like, you know, people who decorate hardcore yeah. can get really into the tchotchke industry surrounding Nightmare Before Christmas. I see a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas um, cross-stitch patterns, stickers, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah.
3: And the musical number where they're at the Halloween party and yeah. they're – so good.
2: All right. Kate's other question. Why are beta heroes amazing? Well, Amanda, the wrong Amanda does not like them. <laughs> I think that the answer is that there is a long, history, strong opinion time. Get ready. And this is my private soapbox. There is a long history of romance back in the day that fetishized men having feelings. The awakening of a feel in a man was considered something that was fetishized, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. And I don't think romance is really fully grappled with the way in which it can fetishize aspects of what I consider toxic masculinity. I see a lot of alpha heroes as insecure. And I see the idea that a feeling being threatening is not something I want to pair up romantically with. So I am not a fan of the character who is threatened by normal human emotion. I understand that normal human emotions yeah. are super fucking annoying. I get it. I got my own set, but the idea that the answer must be anger and destruction is is a total turn-off. And I think for me, beta heroes work because they are often emotionally fluent, comfortable in caretaking roles, comfortable in not asserting dominance, but I also find that intellectual curiosity and competence are a dominance of their own kind.
3: So Interestingly enough, I think in terms of, like, heroes, what? I'm, what? So, I'm being so opinionated. It's not no, normal. I mean, that's, that's the point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um,
3: I would say Eric is, like, beta light. He's not, like, uber-masculine and... So, like, in my personal life, sure. But also, like, I don't know. I feel like I have to... I've been the caretaker... Mm -hmm. of people and of myself that it feels uncomfortable having someone else take that role. Maybe I should talk to my therapist about this next
2: week. (laughs) I get it. I mean, Adam and I are both oldest children. We're both extremely independent and we're both really interested in just taking care of our shit and, you know, leave us alone. But we still negotiate taking care of each other. And we've been together for a really long-ass time. Um, But we will still set terms of taking care of each other or calling each other on on their um, their bad habits or habits that are destructive and the ways in which we negotiate caretaking come up a lot I mean if if one of us is sick it's one thing but like when the kids were little we would say okay I'm primary on this kid you're primary on that kid so if there's a problem and this is when they were like needing care all the time if there was a problem that would be the person who would answer that that problem Um, at one point Adam had some uh, minor surgery, and he really doesn't like being taken care of. And Alex stood up and said, I'm primary on dad. Go to bed, dad. (laughs) I'm primary on dad. And I was so charmed. I was so charmed. Because I was anticipating a royal battle. But you really can't argue when your kid is like, go to bed. And the kids have done that to me. They've both been like, all right, mom's tired. You guys can clean up Passover dinner. She's going to bed. Come on, mom. You're going to bed. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm being escorted upstairs. Got to go. Bye. You know how to use a dishwasher. You don't need me here. (laughs) So I think that's part of it. It's this sort of comfort with caretaking. And also being able to caretake and not be threatened by things so easily but I also have very specific readings about alpha heroes that I see as emblematic of insecurity and not confidence. That's fair. Yeah. Tara C wants to know if you were a mummy and some dumbass dug you up in 2020, what would be your creative curse that would leave your victims alive and suffering? Now this is a hard question because enough has happened in 2020 that we're running out of things to curse people with.
3: See, I would, my curse is like a very, minor annoyance that is usually like the straw that breaks the camel's back when you're having a bad day Um, (laughs) this is why i like like you (laughs) i would would curse people like make your charging cords always be too short and never where you need them oh damn so like you're at an airport your phone is dying there is an outlet but you can't reach Reach it. it nope or you're f- trying to find your phone charger, and it is and never maybe, where you need it. You may maybe you left it in the car, or maybe it fell out of your purse, or maybe it's under oh, your bed. Oh gosh! And that's all charging cords. So laptops, phones, e-readers. Ouch! You're, just, you're playing chicken with your battery life.
2: Perpetually.
3: Yeah, that is my curse.
2: Wow, your witchcraft is next level. <laughs> When someone is a total jerk in traffic, I always say, I wish diarrhea upon you. That's always, that's always my go-to curse. So if the bus is picking up my kids back in the day when they would go to school, those beautiful days when they would leave the house <laughs> and do things and go to school, um, it, you know, the buses have a little stop sign that pops off on the side yeah. and you're not supposed to pass a school bus yeah. and people will just oh, keep driving. Yeah. People drive through. I get irate. And I will scream at them like, "You motherfucker! I saw your terrible ass! I wish diarrhea upon you!" Like I'm really loud when I yell.
3: So everyone gets diarrhea. No, that just
2: right? that driver. I'm yelling okay. at that one particular. No, I mean car. for like
3: the 2020 curse, everyone gets yeah. diarrhea,
2: a nonstop diarrhea. But it's to the point okay. where the bus drivers will see them coming and be like, "Yes, diarrhea."
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, they have cameras. Linus is requesting to be let out. Uh-huh. Linus, do you not
2: like our podcasts?
3: No, he just had a very long nap on his cat tree. I always say goodbye when he leaves my room.
2: Oh, How I is the cat really- tree? Is he enjoying
3: it? Oh, he loves it. Yes, that's the he best. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he gets all the way up on the top now. Can you see again?
2: Wilbur is oh. on the cat mat. He is loving it. Actually, he's got, whoa, he's got a wool blanket and the quilted catnip mat.
3: Oh, so he's warm and toasty. And, and- baked. Doing
2: good. So yeah, diarrhea no. nonstop. But your your charge cord curse is...
3: Linus <gasps> lords over me. So this was him this morning.
2: <laughs> I look down upon you, human. And
3: then... I look down upon was- you some more, human. This was him sleeping. Oh. What an awesome gift. (laughs) I'm happy he's using it.
2: You're the best cat mom.
3: Oh, thank you.
2: All right, next question. Sujata, I hope I said that right. Maybe it's Sujata, wants to know, desert island book, what one book would you want if you were stuck on a desert island? And if that's too tough, let's say up to three.
3: I always hate this question. Because it's difficult. Because reading tastes fluctuate.
2: And reading, reading circumstances fluctuate,
3: too. Yeah. Um, I'd like to have at least one Christina Lauren book with me. Um, I hate this question! <laughs> I hate it! One of my ultimate favorite books for a long time uh, was Battle Royale. But it's about kids being trapped on an island, killing each other. So sounds great. I don't. I don't know if that's what I would want for my desert island reading. Um, maybe the blacksmith queen, something light and rompy, and just bonkers.
2: It's also extremely violent. Like there's decapitations in the first chapter.
3: Yeah, but it's fun.
2: Of course,
3: it's like take decapitation and make it fun
2: i would probably pick the um crows trilogy because i would never get tired of rereading that and then looking at the different pieces of norse mythology and looking at the the different ways in which the gods influence the characters and the the different like squads per god like how that works i would never get tired of that
3: but I think this question is not made for me because I'm not a rereader.
2: No, you're a mood reader and your tastes vary based on a lot of circumstance. Yeah. So it's not so that I... easy for you to be like, I want to read this one flavor for the rest of my life. Yeah. All right. That is our roundup of silly questions too. electric boogaloo. We did it. Are you reading any books that you want to mention?
3: No. Okay, cool. I'm looking. I did. So I did pick up this book. First, based on the cover, and I'm very excited about it, Um, but it's called Where the Wild Ladies Are by Aoko Matsuda, and it's feminist reimaginings of Japanese myth and folklore, and I'll show you the cover. The cover's just, like, cute, I'm like, what the hell is this? And I looked it up, and...
2: Two words, employee
3: discount. I know. Where is it? And then... Sweet Kristen Dwyer. Oh, so this is the cover. Ooh. I like the color palette. It's like a teal and like a coral letters, yeah. Yeah, and it, the letters are raised off the. Ooh. But and then Sweet Kristen Dwyer sent me a bound manuscript of The Soulmate Equation, which is the upcoming Christina Lauren book that Yay. comes out in spring. So those are ones I'm excited about. Uh, but right now my brain is just Assassin's Creed that's all I care about
2: I understand there's a sizable part of my brain that's like let's go play Witcher because and, and like, I've said this before I think one of the appeals of a really well written w- immersive video game is that you're being told a story but your choices are creating the story you don't have to yeah. do all the visual building and all of the mental construction of the world you're looking at it part of it is pre-written but you are deciding
3: the and course the of inner the interactivity makes it feel like less like work yeah and like sitting down and like trying to block everything else out so you can concentrate on like words on a page
2: yes and there's also the um the part where you can do hard stuff like you can do a, a high level quest or the next piece of the of the story or the next like I know oh if I go do this it's going to be like a lot of cutscenes. So I'll be watching and rather than making major decisions. Whereas if I just, you know, go beat up these three guys, it's like, go find these guys and beat them up. It's pretty yeah. low level. And maybe if they're knocked out, they'll have a chicken or ham sandwich and I can loot it because that's really all I'm here for is the, yeah. the sandwich looting. So you, can, like,
0: choose...
2: you can choose your level of mental yeah. engagement inside the game as well, but you're still in that same story. Yeah. Yeah. I get what it. What are you
3: reading, Sarah? Anything?
2: I'm actually looking at my list of things that are on my on my Kindle right now. There is a book coming out in April 2021 that you will probably hear about from Erin. It is called Dial A for Aunties by Jesse yes, Q. Sutanto. we were talking
3: about it at the bookstore and it sounds really cute.
2: Erin told me it made her laugh until she cried. She's like, I could not have enjoyed this book. It was, it came at the perfect time. So I have an advanced copy of that and I'm really excited about it um, because I could use a book where I, you know, laugh till I cry. And I'm also reading through the Penrick novellas by Lois McMaster Bujold. The thing I love about them is that they're not very long. Her writing is very beautiful. The descriptions are gorgeous. It's that sort of soft-shoed, doublet wearing medieval fantasy world um but as penrick ages he basically he has a demon inside of him and he makes friends with the demon and it has many different personalities because as the demon has been attached to people it absorbs pieces of their personality so there's like 13 people present inside desdemona and then there's penrick Penric is determined to be decent and he is in a world that is not always going to be decent or kind and even there are moments where Desdemona's is like, what the hell is wrong with you being nice? Would you just stop? My God, I'm a demon of chaos. Can I just destroy some shit, please? But Penrick's determination to be decent is very reassuring. And I like that part a lot. So that's what I'm I'm working my way slowly through the Penrick novellas.
3: How many are there? There's quite a bit, aren't there? I think there's
2: there? like nine or ten now.
3: Yeah.
2: And there's a new one out just now that um, Catherine Hallowee's read.
3: Yeah, I was going to say Catherine usually mentions them. Yes. In, in Slack.
2: Yes. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you again to everyone in our Patreon community for sending in such interesting, thoughtful questions. What small things do you Have strong opinions about. What covers are your favorites? What things do you want to tell us? We want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can email me at Sarah S A R A H at smartbitches They both go to the same place. I love hearing from you, and I love when you send me bad jokes. Speaking of, I have a bad joke. This week's bad joke comes from Tess. It is awesome it was perfect for halloween but it's a little late so if you like me are still munching on halloween candy because it was on sale and why not this will go with your halloween candy all of the reese's cups are gone from my assortment by the way i ate them first what is the secret to the vampire diet give up what's the secret to the vampire diet eat next to nothing (laughs) I'm so silly. I love it. Eat next to nothing. (laughs) Thank you, Tess. If you want to send me a bad joke, I love them so much. You can please send them to me because everyone enjoys them. And then I tell everyone in the podcast audience. And then you tell lots of people and the world is a slightly better place. On behalf of Amanda and the cat who keeps opening the door to my office, which is squeaky, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.